This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. Welcome, everybody. Today, uh, we're going to uh, share some interesting process improvement tips. I'm Greg uh, Mikeljohn. I'm a co-founder of Enrollment Resources, and on the call today, uh, Shane Sparks, my business partner, uh, co-founder of Enrollment Resources, and Tom King, one of our C-level people in the company who's been with us for a number of years and um, who has a focus on our, our suite of software. So welcome today, and uh, we're going to get right down to it, folks. We're going to talk about little process improvements that you can use to improve revenues within your school system without having to buy advertising or hire people. So how to increase revenue without spending money or time to do so. And you might say, that's too good to be true, but no, in fact, it's not. It's based on the process of what's called lean management that our company has taken and uh, and we've reworked it for enrollment management, what was made popular in the manufacturing sector uh, over the last 50 years, we've gone and done some innovation in that regard. So let's get started. Today, uh, we're going to be uh, sharing some process improvement tips in four or five areas within the enrollment management funnel. And you can take some notes, you guys, and um, I hope you find it interesting. So Shane, uh, any words before we, we uh, begin? No, I'm excited to share what we have to share. <laughs> good answer, good answer. Tom, how about yourself? Anything you'd like to say? No, I've got my pen and paper ready. I'm ready to learn something as well. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's get going. So um, we're going to lean a little bit on Shane in this section here. This is about creating buzz. Um, now, this is not about lead gen per se, but it's about creating an environment to go and uh, and create buzz. And so here's just, just a couple tips we're going to share. First tip number one. Um, treat education fairs as the legitimate lead generators they are. So most schools will go to education fairs or job fairs and they just stand there and they smile and they, they look at you and blink. And uh, what um, Shane and I had did a number of years ago is we mystery shopped education fairs uh, to see how many schools actually try to engage with you to collect a lead. And it was only uh, 38% of the schools and just 4% in another second test we did um, actually took the time to go and try to bring you in to create a lead. Shane, what do you think about it? That's a waste of money, huh? Oh, it's such a waste of money. It's so frustrating. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think there's there's two parts to this one. One is accountability. So the whoever is attending these things need to be held accountable to a result, and the result would be lead forms. And Tom, Tom I know in in your previous life you guys did a lot of these things and and had um, heavy emphasis on coming back with inquiry cards or, or lead cards. So right. that's the first thing. The second one is having a hook. What do, you know, why would somebody come and talk to you? This is, you know, trade shows are, are, are it's like, I don't know, turf warfare, right? You know, we're there against our competitors, and we've got a chance to shine above and beyond them. So how do you do it? Great question. How do you do it? Well, if you have some kind of a hook, that would help. Like, um, I have uh, a story about a, I have a story about a hook. Uh, when we were working at uh, University of Phoenix, we did exactly this. We tested trade shows and all kinds of different shows. The demographic was two thirds female who were upset about um, the glass ceiling, and uh, we we tried women's shows, various shows, health shows. And the uh, one show uh, where they would display, which had tremendous results in terms of conversion rate and volume, was um, home improvement shows. And really? uh, yeah, and the hook 
was earn while you learn. They invented that phrase uh, that a number of schools have taken on now. Um, and we would typically see 35 to 45 inquiry cards requesting to come to an info session uh, per day. And that that monetized very well. And they typically would carry a conversion rate from that info card to a student of around 10%. So very interesting. Um, so folks, if you are out there doing that kind of thing, there you go. Well, and I so think Greg, can, can I jump in? Cause mm, please. So, so you said during home improvement shows and targeting women specifically who are not the primary attendees of home improvement shows, correct? Yeah. So why, why, why did that you guys think that that worked, or how come that worked? I don't, I don't know. I think that's the beauty of testing, you know, you guys, is um, many of the tests that we undertake for our, our clients, we're working on a hypothesis. We don't really fully know if it's going to work theory. or not. Yeah. I have a and theory, and it's a contrarian theory. Far away. So if if I'm okay, let's say I'm at a I don't know health and wellness show, which is not my core interest with my lady, right? And I'm wandering yeah. around and I'm a bit bored, and I'm hanging in there because I'm trying to be a good partner, but I'm I'm kind of bored, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a booth that speaks to something I am interested in. I don't know, there's like guitars. a guitar thing or something, guitars or I don't know something. Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, then. I'm I'm going to gravitate to that sucker and I'm going to give it more attention than normal because I'm not that interested in the lotions and the whatever aromatherapy stuff. So the inverse would be true as well at a home improvement show. The ladies are there hanging in with their fellas, you know, not super wildly interested in tools and whatnot. Uh, then something that speaks to their interest is going to disproportionately grab them and be more important than it maybe normally would be. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so I guess the first tip to everybody on this call would be to do that. Try that out. And you'd be amazed at the, the number of really high-quality leads you'll generate by simply asking people if they would like to leave some information to get invited to an info session at a future date. Okay, tip number two. Um, so, you know, we've often asked this question, Tom, of people, who is more important to a school, the students or the employers of the graduates? And the, the vast majority of people um, will say students. But, you know, we have a contrarian argument that says the, uh, the employers of the graduates are at least as important. Do you uh, care to clarify on that? Yeah, no, great, uh, great, great question. Uh, and yeah, you would think that uh, you know, I would say if you ask that question of most people on this call, it'd be ninety, you know, nine point nine percent would say the student. Um, I like to have the saying that hey, you know, when I had had a school and was there, that we have two customers. One is you, the student, uh, and one is our employers. Uh, we owe. You know, the student, a great education, hopefully build a great future, but we owe those employers great graduates that are well-trained so that they will come back and want more of those graduates. Uh, so I, I think many times we just look at employers as just an end, you know, just a means to an end that, hey, we just need them to, uh, you know, to hire our students. And I don't think we nurture the employers or put the emphasis on them as much as we should. Uh, they're almost equally as important uh, because if they don't hire and hire more and want more and more, uh, you're going to have a tough time keeping your placement rates up. Number two, they are a fantastic source of referrals. Uh, if you can pare down uh, your employers or take some of your top 10, top 25 employers, and really, you know, make it a great partnership, not a vendor relationship, but a partnership with them uh, that you can help them improve their business by giving them great students. And in return, anyone that they know that could be a good candidate but just needs some training, 
if they would start to feed you prospects, uh, boy, you have something great going at that point. So an example uh, would be uh, some kind of bigger examples. Well, one was when I was at University of Phoenix many years ago. I brokered a deal between the school and the Canadian Navy. Um, and that generated a lot of master's degree programs um, for the Navy personnel and their families. Um, another one comes to mind is Arizona State University have brokered a deal uh, with uh, Starbucks. If you're with Starbucks for a year, you get a $250 education credit for every course taken at ASU. If you're there four years, it's a free ride. You get your education paid for free. Um, Strayer, I believe, created a fantastic deal with uh, Chrysler, Chrysler Daimler, and all their employees have a back-channel, super cheap education program by way of Strayer. Um, so... Shane, that's pretty. That's a, that's innovative marketing, isn't it? Well, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, if you can direct, it basically gives you a direct sales um, channel, right? And so, with with our, the business we're in, we're heavily reliant on leads coming in, and it's this constant demand, and it's hard to have p- targets you can go after and sort of actively sell to. So, if you can build some kind of program for employers in your market. It gives you a, a different type of um, uh, sales channel, which is huge. I'm, I'm also thinking of the example with, you know, with, and Tom, you've used this one before with with the, the old school you were with, where you guys basically sold sponsorship to classrooms to different employers, right? So the 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 classroom was branded with the employer name, which was hugely credible to the students and. Kind of created natural tie-ins with with those brands. Yeah, it it employers you know, marketing the way I kind of look at it. Uh, three types of marketing you need in a school business, real quick: lead gen, lead nurturing, and branding. And employers can can help you with all three of those. They can help provide leads to you by sponsoring classrooms, scholarships. Uh, you know, especially if they can, if they'll donate the money for scholarships and do career fairs, that helps with lead nurturing. Uh, if they'll sponsor your classrooms and you can use their name, I mean, we used to have Edelbrock and BMW and Lincoln Electric, and I mean, I had sponsorships with McDonald's. I had sponsorships with you know all kinds of major companies where we would plaster their name everywhere, and it helped our branding. It helped lead nurturing. And, again, some of those employers helped with lead gen uh, as well, all of those on top of hiring our students. So they, they serve a tremendous, a wide array of purposes. So when you're um, branding, uh, if I'll, I would say to you it's actually uh, the term is brand riding. So, um, folks, if you have a school, it's a local school, and, well, the, the beauty schools do a tremendous job of this where, like, um, Brian, I think you're on the call, you know, Aveda, uh, there's a tie-in with Aveda, which has a great brand, or um, Pivot Point, or what have you. Um, I, I think brand writing is a tremendous way to, uh, it's like you're a kind of a mediocre kid in high school, and you get in with a cool crowd, therefore you become a cool kid. And um, it's it's uh, not to say anyone on this call is mediocre, so... Brand writing is tremendous, and and I think what we want to do here, folks on the call, is pick the 100 largest employers of your graduates per program and create a marketing campaign, a proper marketing campaign to go and and, uh, reach these people. In other words, weaponize your career services department, make it a business unit, and create a marketing team inside of the career services side of your business. Can I okay. hear one more one more thing? I know we've, yeah. uh, you've got many. Okay, so when we when we were at the what was it the CQ CEO summit? I think that's where it was. Right. And there was at the end of that there was a best practices panel. Right. So this isn't just us talking. This this is a panel of of the schools of the year. I, I forget there were, there were five of them, I believe. And they're talking about what they've done over the last year to build their business. And they've all been very successful schools from across the country. And what struck me 
and I remember, Greg, you and I had a conversation about this after, is that every single one of them had focused a lot on both product as we define it, which is the, the, what they're doing to add value to students, and um, relationships with employers, which, which admittedly wasn't a direct line to more enrollments, but created such impact through branding, you know, branding is you sort of if you define that as influence, right, or awareness and influence mm-hmm. with people you want to know you, yeah. that it had a huge impact, financial impact on their businesses. It was the theme for every school that was notable, uh, had notable growth over the previous twelve months. So it's it's a it's a fundamental activity to grow your business. Yeah, and to that point, there's a, one other idea that um, a couple of our clients have used where. Uh, you, it, this is also very valuable with retention. Um, and so how you build retention is you have people, you, you, you reignite the, the vision of graduation and where it's going to take people post-graduation by bringing in people from industry on a consistent level as in like every two weeks to do a little half an hour um, summary of what they're doing, you know, say it's an IT school in Chicago, in the Midwest, and um, in comes a guy from Cargill, who's the head IT director of Cargill or Monsanto or what have you. They talk about Monsanto. They talk about they t- the Q&A. So what they do is they re- reignite the interest of students um, as to where they can potentially go once they graduate. And so every two weeks you bring in a different industry player just to have a word with the students. And um, that ha- is worth testing with an eye to increasing retention 10 to 15% overall. So it's another little tip. Okay, you two, I'm going to uh, have you sit back and roll your eyes. I'm going to give a, a weirdo hippie tip, okay? So bear with me. Um, so folks on the call, you go and you... Um, you do a Shane's done this in workshops I've seen before. It's very effective where he asks everybody to write down reasons why their school is amazing and how it intersects with students and employers and the community and typically people will come up with three to five ideas and then he combines everybody uh, and builds a list of twenty. Then that gets written down, and that list of twenty uh, it sits there as a kind of like uh, bunch of arrows in the quiver. The, um, in other words, in sales, when you have a mem- muscle memory around all the ways you can potentially help a student, and instead of it being four, it's 20, it, it improves your opportunity to help students along to a, a, the right decision. Now, the new age weirdo thing is um, you focus on what you focus on. I buy a new red Prius. I see red Priuses all over town. Isn't that weird? So you take the list of 20, and as a leader, you paste it onto the desk of all your client-facing or, or student-facing um, employees, and you ask them to look at it every day. And if they do this, your overall revenue, the test is, will your overall revenue increase 10% by just having them focus on the gratitude related to their school. Tom, is that weird? No, everything, anything that's top of mind uh, and, can, and can continue to motivate people, and messaging is great. I mean, I think you should have uh, you know, a variety of things that you, you change out or remind your staff to, to do. Because you know, I don't want to get too off the subject, but you, want to, you have to take your staff sometimes out of their day-to-day mindset when they come there so that they can focus on the job at hand and what they're supposed to be doing. Because people bring a lot of baggage to work. You know, their cat got run over, someone's sick, money problems, whatever. So to, when they get there, to refocus them on what it is they're there for and what they could be doing and how they can be doing it and why they are doing it, that's great. Cool. Greg, can okay. I share a, a testimony, or not a testimony, a letter we got yesterday from a client that's sort of related to this? Sure. Okay. ER guys. So this is verbatim 
Following your advice, we obtained 10 enrollments this month from Virtual Advisor, all in the last half of the month following your assistance. The key, the key was convincing the reps that your leads are good, essential leads, and need to be worked immediately. Also, your advice on various techniques was very helpful. We appreciate the knowledgeable suggestions. Cost for enrollment, 250 bucks. I'll do that all day long. So what? So essentially, what happened with this client? They were they're a, a new v, a virtual advisor client piloting it. First half of the month, getting middling results. Got in, engaged the staff. Hey, this is good stuff. You got to work it. It's value. These people want to talk to you. Be excited. And and Tom, you did training with them. So here's some things yeah. to do that help you better engage. Here's how to feel excited about it. Engagement, engagement. Get the staff excited about it. All of a sudden, they're enroll, enrolled ten people in half a month. Right? So if that continues, that's going to be 20 enrollments a month, 240 a year times whatever they charge. That's what probably uh, $3, 4000000 million. And the only difference between the beginning of the month and the, and the second half of the month was the, the amount that staff is engaged. Interesting. It is very interesting. And that, yeah. And that school's really bought in. They, now they're very active on our admissions huddle. They took the training to heart. Uh, they jump on the client webinars. I mean, they're taking advantage of everything to try to improve what they're doing, and I can't say enough about, uh, you know, the fact that they're they're working to try to do that. Great. Yeah, and those ten enrollments, that's just off one lead source, right? You know, the, exactly. the software. There's other, and that effort and that enthusiasm is going to translate to all their other lead sources too. So. When we talk about you know this exercise around here's the value we offer, and and writing it down and, and getting people to see it and understand it and kind of meditate on it and believe it, that has real impact on the attitude and the uh, kind of the the version of the process of the of the person that's showing up to work every day. And I, I defy anyone on this call to to say that oh hey we don't want an extra ten or twenty enrollments a month like it's everyone wants that. That's that's why everyone's here together having a a, a, a get together to talk about this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Okay. New tip. Um, social media. Okay. Lots of buzz about social media, and there's all kinds of marketing companies that are charging whatever, a couple thousand bucks a month to improve your social media profile, and so much of it is crap. And so um, social media, they, they have two points of value, and really that's it. Um, they're a force multiplier um, in terms of, of street cred, and they are a force multiplier in terms of um, you trust who, who you like. So if there are prospective students that are checking you out on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, and you're presenting as a decent, nice human being, that will translate into trust, which will help the reps in turn um, improve the callbacks when they're reaching out. So in other words, social media should really be not so much a corporate thing as a a thing that the reps embrace. Uh, and then, Tom, um, you have a, tr a tremendous singular social media must-do tactic, which um, is basically you take a grad, you take a photo of their smiling face, you write down a little short paragraph of how much fun they're having in their new job after graduation, and then you repeat it once a week forever. You want to expand on that one? Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the way I phrase it is uh, your website tells people what you do, but your social media or Facebook shows people you do what you said you were going to do. So it's really that social proof that shows potential graduates, potential enrollees, or potential starts what it's like, you know, what it's like to be a student there, what it feels like to be a student. So if you can make sure before graduation you get your – Get the photos of somebody before graduation, not their first day of school photo, but in their shop before they graduate. Get their photos so that as career services verifies placement, I used to have career services every Friday. They would send me all the verifications for the week so that I knew exactly where 
people were, were hired and what they were making and all of that. Uh, and then I would hand it over to the social media coordinator, the digital marketing person, uh, and they would do exactly what you said. They would take that picture, drop our logo on it, state exactly where that person was working, give a little shout-out to that employer. So we're giving a little benefit back to that employer, giving them some, uh, some branding as well, and just letting people know that, look, con- you know, day after day, week after week, look at all these graduates and look where they're going. Look at the companies hiring them. Look what they're, you know, look what they're doing. So really, it really shows people that you do what you said you were going to do. The same thing applies to certification, fun activities, uh, licensing, alumni spotlight, uh, and anything else that you do, uh, you know, is, is great on social media. In fact, you can even start it as early as the tour and have those people that are touring. We used to have these little footprints that we posted on the floor in certain areas. Uh, we call them selfie spots, and the, the prospect could stand in that spot, take a selfie of themselves, post it on social media, hashtag us, uh, and, of course, in the background was always our logo because they were strategically placed footsteps. So it's a great way to get people excited and see what you have to offer and what they're going to be in for when they join up uh, and uh, enroll at your school. Another uh, uh, idea that Scott Spatolnik, who's on the call, our VP Strategic Services, Scott, uh, shared that uh, at Allied Health Schools, you um, you get um, the prospective student to pop on the, the scrub shirt and, and a stethoscope uh, or some phlebotomy needles or something and do selfies with the rep, and then they post it to their own social media and they're wearing the scrubs, and they got the stethoscope, or they got the big needle, and uh, it's fun, right? And it, but it creates a uh, a manifest destiny, if you will, uh, around what they could potentially become. So, exactly. yeah. Okay, moving on, gents. Um, we're gonna. Talk, there's a whole bunch of tips related to capturing interest and creating a lead. We could do a whole hour on that alone, but we're halfway through, uh, and there's other things to cover. So I, I'm going to talk about one tip, and then I'm going to leave it to Sh- Shane to talk f- freelance for a bit. Um, okay. So the, this is a quote from a fellow named Claude Hopkins, and everybody write this book down. It's called Scientific Advertising. It was published um, in 1923 almost 100 years ago, and every single marketing book uh, is a derivative of this 54-page book. You can get it for free on the Gutenberg Press. And so basically the gist is this. If you have an admissions rep, would you dress them up as a clown? Would you make them look like an idiot? Would you have them telling stupid, um, banal types of jokes? Well, of course not. You want your admissions reps to be buttoned down and professional and nurturing. So your advertising is uh, just a written and visual version of your admissions rep, the job of the advertising in lead generation. And so if you wouldn't dress your admissions reps up like clowns and have them act like idiots, why do people create advertising that is idiotic and attempt at stupid humor and silly graphics. Um, we see it everywhere, Shane. Is that a stupid oh, analogy oh. I just shared? Or? I saw one this morning on the drive to work on the back of a bus uh, for our local community college here. And it had a big headline, and the headline said, the world is changing, and there was a photo, and I happened to get close enough to the bus because I was right behind it to see that it said, you know, grad 2029 in some program, I can't remember, that was made up. And so their point was, I guess, that, you know, the, the world tomorrow is different than the world today. And mm-hmm. so somebody, I was thinking about it as I was looking at this bus, thinking, okay, somebody somewhere thought this was a good idea. Right, some some person in a meeting somewhere, some ad agency person came and said, "Yeah, hey, the world is changing, and that's somehow going to like grab people and want them to enroll at the school." The problem with it 
is that it's obtuse, right? It's, it's vague and it's unclear. The world is, and if you're not right behind the bus, you don't get the joke, right? If you can't see the, the small print um, underneath the photo of the person saying grad 2029 in whatever the program was, you don't get it. It's just some generic nothing headline. It's, and so it's terrible advertising. It's useless. It's done by unserious, unaccountable, uh, fraudulent marketers, right? People that really don't have any interest in actually enrolling students. They just want to, to I don't know, Puff get their jollies up. on creative, um, creative uh, endeavors. So whoever the ad agency was should be ashamed of themselves. Whoever's the marketing director at that school should be ashamed of him or herself because it's just bad advertising. It's a waste of money. It's a too self-aggrandizing crap. Yeah. The, the, the litmus test for a headline right, or a sales proposition right, or whatever the, 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 the message, this litmus test for the message is this. What do you mean by that, and can you be more specific? So if, I'm, if the world is changing – Right. Well, duh, for one. And what do you mean by that? If I don't know what that means, then I'm I'm going to tune it out. I'm not going to. It's not going to make an impact on me. So Shane, if I may, so what you're suggesting to the people on the call is, if they run that exercise, they pick a headline of a landing page. And then they'll ask the question, what do you mean by that? More detail, please. And if you go down two, three, four layers and keep repeating the process, the odds are very high that you'll come up with a much more uh, mature and persuasive headline. Is that kind of where you're heading? That's right. That's exactly right. So if somebody had asked that question, you know, it's the courage to say, well, hmm, that seems vague to me. What do you mean by that? And so, so well, it means you'll be more competitive in a changing world. Oh, that's a better headline. It's a much right? better headline. Or, yeah. hey, get the skills to be more competitive in a changing work marketplace, in a workplace. Okay, good. That's a better, that's more clear, right? And so if I look at that headline, I don't need the, the stupid little grad 2029 to get it. So if I'm far away and I see this, I can say, hey, okay. And then, then the logo is tiny is the other thing on this, this dumb ad. Tiny little aesthetically pleasing logo. So even if they had the better headline, you know, get the skills to be more competitive in a changing, um, in a changing marketplace, a uh, bigger logo and a phone number would have been nice, or a website URL, right? Got it. So, so don't, don't dress. Your, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't dress your advertising up like a clown. Yeah. Yeah, because people are scared of clowns, and uh, <laughs> although they won't admit it, I'm afraid of clowns. Yeah. Well. Yeah, clowns. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of wasting money on stupid stuff just because I don't know. It seems corporate or official, or it seems like there's this this I don't know where it comes from. This idea that you know things need to seem. Um, institutional to have legitimacy, and it's it's like it's the source of so much wasted money. It's amazing to me. You know, the other piece I think that we should, as marketers, be afraid of succumbing to that is because when those ads fail, and they do fail, um, the client tends to get amnesia, and uh, you get hung for it. So, gotta have the courage. To not dress your advertising up like clowns, you guys, on the call. Okay, well, so and, go and, ahead. And, and this, is the, this is one of the greatest advantages most of the schools on this call have over, say, community colleges or public sector kind of schools because they're, they're run by kind of corporate marketing communication type people. That's their context. And, and, and perception and, oh, no, what would people say kind of thinking is what guides them. So they, they, it's, it tends to be a race to the bottom in their kind of marketing, usually. That's the advantage we have over them. And so, what, you know, God help us all if we squander that advantage. Yeah, solution providers helping people get a better career. That's it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, okay. 
So next, we're going to the, the people on this call are approximately split between marketing types and senior admissions types. So uh, now we're going to talk about where there's the intersection point, uh, where marketing ends and when admissions begins, and why there's potential, you know, arguments in the bar after hours between these two types of people, and that is the the first point of contact. So the marketing people go, oh, those admissions people are screwing up our leads. And then the admissions people say, oh, those marketers are just delivering us garbage. And so neither are right, actually. And um, we're going to go and explore that with a couple of tips. So, um, okay, uh, there's a, a, a recent study on online buyer expectations by uh, Zogby Analytics and uh, uh, a lead is 490% more likely to enroll within the first 60 seconds of their online inquiry than any other time. So there's a five-fold chance of a, a, a five-fold improvement on the lead-to-sit ratio if you can connect with them within a minute, as if it's a phone call on hold. So. Tom, you want to speak to that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, a big part of, of appointment setting, and especially with um, any types of leads. I mean, a website lead, a pay-per-click lead, uh, you know, our virtual advisor leads. You, if you have to have, in order to do appointment setting correctly, you have to have the technology, not just the want, but the technology to do it properly. Uh, You've got to have some sort of a speak to lead uh, set up or, or something set up so that it, your admissions people or appointment setter or some kind of an outsourced appointment setting company can access that lead immediately while the prospect is by their computer, by their phone, and in the highest state of motivation uh, that they're going to be in uh, at that point in time. So. Most schools don't. Many schools, they're still relying on the email comes in, and then we'll input the email and we'll make the call, uh, or you know they're busy doing something else, and no one's making the call when the lead comes in because the 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 admissions rep or the single rep or two reps or the campus director is doing admissions. Uh, admissions is a serious business, and appointment settings the number one part of admissions, bar none. It's the most important thing that has to happen. And if you can get a hold of those prospects within that first 60 seconds, you've got a phenomenal chance, like, like you said, five, you know, a five-fold chance of actually getting a hold of them so that you can set an appointment. And, and the, the human part of it is, you know, the, really the best that a human-powered first point of contact process can offer is a one- to two-hour lag time if your humans are are lagging one to two hours, they're doing a fantastic job. But sadly, it's the 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 conversion rate at that point is the equivalent of like a stale lead that's six months old. So, to Tom's point, you folks, you need to have the technology to turn that a- asynchronous database lead into a phone call on hold. Um, Okay. And it's not an expensive technology. It, it no. can be had out there. You know, we know companies that, that do that sort of thing. So it's not expensive. What's expensive is spending marketing money and then not having a process in place to take full advantage of those leads. Can, can I yes. make a further drive home this point? Mm. Yes. So our, we have uh, colleagues, uh, I don't know, unnamed appointment setting service, colleagues that we've we work with frequently who do a great job and their connection rate is is what Tom three or four times higher than most schools significantly right? higher yes yeah and it's not that uh, that they're I don't know they somehow have better people you know maybe they have slightly better people I don't know it's not that they're magic it's not that there's some like secret turn a phrase that somehow gets everyone excited to book an appointment. They just have systems measured and well thought out systems to get to a lead right away, have a good script, 
have a good follow-up system, make a good value proposition. All they are is more organized than, than most of the schools that hire them. That's the only difference. And, but the result is they can connect with three to four times more of those prospects and book three to four times more appointments with those leads because they're organized. That's it. And because it's their sole focus is to get that prospect on the phone and set an appointment. They're not off running and doing paperwork and turning in reports and giving tours and following up on someone who didn't show for their financial aid appointment. You know, they've separated out, and we talk about this too, Shane, on your, with our clients as well, that it's absolutely my firm opinion now uh, over these last couple of years that if you don't separate appointment setting from the rest of admissions, uh, you're, you're harming your chances of being successful and severely stunting the potential growth uh, of your school. You've got to separate those two functions. And you give your appointment setter a fantastic title, Director of First Impressions, because that's who they are. They, they, are, they are the first impression of your school and uh, Director of First Impressions. It's an important job. Now, by extension, let's give people some really good juice here about timing. So um, I'm just going to share some information here. Based, this is deep dish research, high sample sizes. Um, but the optimum, write this down, everybody, the optimum cadence for reaching out to a prospective student is six phone attempts followed by five emails. And within those six phone attempts, two voicemails, and it's, that's over 21 days. So the six calls are actually over 13 days, um, two on the first day, then day three, then day six, and so on, ending at 13 days, and then emails supporting those phone calls. A couple of voicemails worked in over 21 days. And then at that point, it becomes marketing's uh, job to turn that into a nurturing campaign. Um, then the timing for optimum connection is uh, 7 to 8 p.m. in the evening and uh, afternoons on Saturday and Sunday. So I guess, um, and what's interesting is people are going, ooh, ah, phoning them in the evening, bad. But what they learned was that the average phone call was 34 minutes, and we know there's a correlation. The longer the, the initial first point of contact phone call, the higher the lead to start ratio is. So there you go. So my question is to both you guys is, if we know this to be true, and a lot of schools do know this, why not hire admissions reps to work from 7 to 8 p.m. and noon until 6 on the weekends? I guess it's an inconvenient time for many, but... This is what gets results. So what the heck? Any thoughts, uh, gentlemen? Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump into that. It's not admissions reps. It's appointment setters. So you, you, this is when you're actually trying to get a hold of the people. So again, it makes sense to absolutely have someone who is not tied necessarily to the hours of your school. And you know, many times we talk with clients and you know, hey, we're out at you know, we're out at 4:30. We're out at five o'clock. Well, who stays late? Well, nobody. We close the doors. They can't stay any later. So we're we're doing what's convenient for us, not what's convenient for the prospect. And if you want the highest success rates, you've got to be, you know, where your people are at the times they want. And one of the, I think one of the unsung pieces of virtual advisor uh, is the question we ask of when are you available or when are you most available if you could utilize that tool alone i guarantee you're going to drop 25 percent missed calls uh, with your prospects because if you call them at the times they said they're available which is afternoon morning or evening as opposed to i just got to keep throwing a dart at different times of the day trying to figure out when this prospect may be available use the tool figure out when they're most available, adjust your hours to what the aggregate times are, and then adjust your individual attempts to what your prospect says. Call them when it's convenient for them, not when it's convenient for you. Yeah, so you're uh, really advocating for uh, empathy, hey, and not being selfish. I Absolutely. Guess. 
Um, you know, like we know from Who's Calling, they tell us that uh, approximately two-thirds of prospective students who are met with voicemail will hang up and kill the call. Um, right. What a, what a horrible waste of uh, marketing dollars. So it's that synchronous exchange with humans. Um, you know, the the other waste is we know, Shane, through our, our mystery shopping we've done over the years that the average uh, is uh, 37% of admissions reps at this point who are on the call um, with a prospective student do not ask them to come in for a visit. So it's that's, that's yeah, silly. It, well, it's it is silly, and I I think I understand why it happens. You know, there there's um, if you're Let's see, you're, you're really busy. You've got a lot of different responsibilities, and you're just trying to cope, right? And so you've got appointments, and you're in a rush, and, hey, okay, yeah, I'm done trying to deal with this, and I've got somebody waiting for me, and there's too many things going on. I know for me personally, if I have too many things going on at once, um, standard slide, right? Mm. And so that, that could be a reason, and it could be, uh, hey, I don't want to, gosh, I, you know, I don't want to waste valuable time on stuff that's not going to go anywhere. So Ms. Tom had said, when those roles are not separated, right, when there's not clear accountabilities, then of course things are going to slide. They have to just to, due to overwhelm, if nothing else, right? And as much as we yes. can chirp about, hey, take advantage of every opportunity and, you know, continuous improvement, pe- people max out in their, in their ability to cope. All of us do. I do. I'm sure you do too, Tom. I'm sure you do as well. When there's too many things to do, stuff starts sliding, and and as a result, um, opportunities missed. And so I, I would suggest that this is a systems and management problem more than a people problem. Usually, when I have too much to do, I forget to feed the cats. Yeah, um, yeah. I feed my kids. Forget to go grocery shopping, and they fuss. There's no food in the house. Or that's right. Yeah. Forget to tell your spouse that you love her. It can yeah. get really bad. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> well, you know, I have to say something. Oh, I'm so sad, you guys. Um, like, there's 35 tips here. And how we've gotten through, I don't know, a dozen or so. Um, I think what we can do is, um, if, if anybody on the call wants to have a sit-down with any of us, and we can go through the, some more of these and just give you some more insights. We're pleased to do so, but I need to be respectful of the clock here. Um, so for those on the call, you can either – probably the best way to do this is to just text 250-391-9494. That's 250-391-9494. And just say you're interested in having to sit down. Um, we won't bug you or anything to buy anything you'll want to buy from us is uh, the, typically what happens. And so you can do that, you guys. Um, now, we have um, a time for a question or two if anyone wants to have the courage to press star six. And then after that, uh, get Tom and Shane to have a final word, and then we'll pack in the call. So does anyone want to press star six and jump in on the call with Tom and Shane and I. We'll just give a few seconds. Boop. No. Hi, I had a question. Oh, hi. Hi, Hi. this is Candice. I was wondering if it was possible to send um, anything that you have regarding the um, best hours of admissions being um, the afternoon on Saturday and Sunday, as well as 7 to 8 p.m., you know, on the weekdays. I found that stat to be really interesting. Um, We've never tried the Saturday and Sunday afternoon shift before. We've tried the Saturday morning shifts before, um, but they didn't prove to be profitable. So I was just curious to um, see research on that. Sure. Uh, Well, just pop your phone number and your name uh, in uh, that text message uh, to us, and then we'll just get on the phone for 15 minutes and get you some info yeah. and get you something to read. Okay, yeah, cool. There's yeah, a, there's a white so paper much. that was put out a couple years ago by, uh, shoot, who was it by? 
Uh, Velocify hired a research company, and right. I like Velocify. Yeah, I've I've seen their research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it was Velocify research on on evenings and Sundays specifically. So we can share that. I think we have a I think we have a, a little white paper in our archive. We can get to you. So yeah, cool. Do I star six myself now again? To mute. Uh, no, you can stay on. Hang out. Okay. Um, who? Uh, anybody else want to press star six and jump in? No. Okay. So Tom uh, and then Shane, you guys just say a couple words, and then we'll say farewell to everybody and hope they can make some money with what we shared. Go ahead, Tom. Tom. Hi, this is Manish. Oh, hi, Manish. Hi, how are you? Hi. Good. Great good. session. Can you repeat your uh, mobile number again? 250-391-9494. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so, Tom, last words. Yeah, what I, I wanted when you get a lot of tips like this, and they're all really great tips, um, I think it's just really important that you take a look at the list, uh, you know, the stuff you've written down, and really try to pick one uh, that you can focus on and implement right away. Because if you have a list of 5, 10, 15, 20 things, sometimes it gets to be overwhelming and you don't implement any of them. So my suggestion today is on these takeaways, focus on one that you can implement right away or fairly easily to start getting some additional improved results and improve your conversion rates. Um, And take them one at a time. Don't try to implement 10 at once. Pick one thing, do it well, get it implemented, and then kind of move down the list as, uh, you know, on the low-hanging fruit that you have. And I think you'll find some some great success that way. Yeah, that's very good advice, the the law of focus, yeah. Um, Good. Um, Shane, final words? I just want to say, uh, Greg, thank you to you and Tom for your uh, wisdom and your sharing of uh, interesting things to us all. So I learned something today, too, and I appreciate everyone being on the call. And I know it's a beautiful day here, so I'm feeling benevolent and happy. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for uh, spending some time with us. And if you want clarification or follow-up, just reach out, and we're, we're, we'll, we're very happy. We're generous with our advice. So have a great day, thank everybody. You. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.